everyone. Welcome to the Thoughtful Thursdays podcast. We're going to jump straight into our topic of the need for truth. Welcome to the Thoughtful Thursday podcast, hosted by Zachary Coffey, author of the book, Welcome to Armory, understanding the interconnectedness of the full armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6. Thoughtful Thursday's podcast is about identifying the spiritual conflict that is manifesting itself in this world and providing Christians with understanding of spiritual principles and guidance on how to apply them to the real-world events that are going on to make a change for the kingdom of heaven. In our world, there is a need for life, not just truth, but life primarily. Now, life is found only in Christ, and Christ boldly proclaims in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is important because Jesus Christ not only brings light and truth, but he also brings conviction of sin. His purpose is to convict the world of sin so that it will be brought into repentance to God and grow in that relationship, so that the relationship between man and God can be restored. In order for that to happen, we must first repent of our sins, and then be covered by the blood of Christ when he died on the cross. That only comes through repentance of sin. And repentance is a fancy way of saying giving up of your sins for the sake of living a life according to Christ. But that is not something the world desires to do. The world loves its sin, and because of that it hates Christ because it convicts them of their sin, telling them that they are wrong. It is the pride of the world that decides to declare for itself right and wrong, which is what the Garden of Eden was about. It was humanity deciding for itself to declare what right and wrong was instead of trusting on God's belief, sorry, instead of trusting on God's declaration of right and wrong. Humanity decided to declare for itself what was right and what was wrong. And this is the sin of pride. Because of this, Christ and his followers are hated because they stand on his truth. It is that truth which gives us life light and everything that we need in this world, but because of the conviction of sin, the world hates it because it means they have to give up what they are enjoying. I'm certain there's a number of sins that exist that are enjoying to do it. I don't have any that I'm going to mention, but I'm certain they exist because that is why we continue going in sin. It's joyful to go and do whatever you want without worrying to anyone getting away and telling you you can't do it or telling you you shouldn't do something. That is why the world hates Christ. He came to convict sin so that he might save the world. That is what John 3.17 says. The Son didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that is because through him we have life, because sin has been put to death, and Christ's death and his resurrection is the breathing of that life being promised to us. Elsewhere, Christ is called the first fruits of the resurrection which is the first fruits of a harvest, which is what it's being referred to, and that is used to determine if the crop will be good or bad. Because of this extreme hate for the repentance, the need to surrender sin, there's an extreme hate for truth as well, because Christ said, the world hates me because I convict the world of sin. And that's something that also exists for his followers, because he also says to his followers, if the world hated me, it hated you. Sorry about that, I missed quoted that verse, but Christ was saying, A servant is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they will hate you also. And that is why we see bills in the United States, such as House Bill H.R. 5. This bill was labeled the Equality Act, and that is how people are referring to it as. 
However, when you read through the text, when you read through what they are talking about, what they are desiring to do, they're wanting to adjust the Civil Rights Act so that it includes the words gender identity to be on the same protected level from discrimination, as is the term sex, which is being used to describe a person's biological gender, whether you're male or female, regardless of how you feel or how you identify as. What HR 5 wants to do is they want to make it illegal to stand on the convictions that there's only two genders, you can only be male or female, that is determined by a gene, sorry, that it is determined by your DNA and your genetics. They want to remove that capability to describe and to determine things on that basis. They want to remove that distinction from existence. In addition to this, the bill is an attack on the truth, and more importantly, it's an attack on Christians who are well known for standing on the scripture of truth of right and wrong. This entire bill could easily be written, Destroy Christians Group. Sorry, the Destroy Christians Bill. But that's not what they're calling it. They're calling it the Equality Act for one specific reason, so that they can make it so that anyone who opposes this bill can be called against equality. Isn't it a good thing to stop someone who is against equality? That's why they are writing this bill as it is. And the thing about this bill is it's not just annual bill, but it is a bill that was influenced by Satan in the sense that he has a desire to have us as humans in rebellion to sin. Sorry, rebellion to God, who wants us to be living in sin because it enkindles the fire of God against us as people. He wants us to suffer and be put under the judgment of God because of the grief it will give to him. In addition to this, our father, I mean our, sorry, our enemy, Satan, is the father of lies and scripture. That's what Christ calls him. He says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the father of lies. And that is something we need to remember. Through this, he redefines what is existent. When the woman said to the serpent, that we are not to eat of the fruit or we will die. He said, you will not die, for the Lord knows you will become as he is, knowing good and evil. What he said was true. When, the, when Adam and Eve would sin, they would know good and evil, but they would also die. He said that God was hiding something from them. He said that God lied to them on one aspect. And so he said one thing, which was true, but left out another part that was true. And that's how Satan works best. He changes things that people don't realize going on and what's being done. That's why the bill, H.R. 5, was labeled the Equality Act. So that a person who reads through the whole act and realizes the implications of the act when it is turned into a law, because that's what they're trying to do currently, they're trying to get passed in the Senate because it's already been passed in the House of Representatives, it will not be able to be vetoed by a president who is in support of this. Because of this, our position as Christians is to pray about this act. Our position is to pray that people have their eyes open and realize what's going on. And because of that, we stand for truth and who God is. We pray in his name that these things will not be passed. Now, there are times where God will allow bad things to happen to pass, so that humans can reap of their mistakes. But when we as humans and as Christians primarily choose to stand in truth, 
we will be hounded by people in media and other influences and other people on the mobs. And by mob, I mean vast groups of people, such as the Twitter mob, which has become an infamous thing, and those types of things on social media, and even in our real-life social society, we will have people who stand against us and accuse us of wrongdoing, who say that we are being wrong what we say. What we are to do is we must not apologize. We must not say we are sorry for speaking truth. But what we must do is continue to confront the lies. We cannot go on the defensive, but we must go on the offensive, pointing out where it's wrong and reminding them of the truth. The truth will always win against lies. It just may take a little while and a lot of endurance, but truth will always win as it is for Christ says, I'm the way, truth, and the life. We know that Christ wins because he is truth and also because he is God. And the reason why truth wins because it comes ultimately from God as truth is things that cannot be changed. It is something that is genuine. It is as it is and is supported by existence. Truth will not be changed. And that is another lie that exists in our society. The belief that there are no universal truths. That lie has also been perpetuated by the devil, by people in academia have heard it and they're liking it because it means that they do not have to say that Jesus Christ is the truth. They can just say he is a truth or he is one person who claims to have truth. That again comes to the fact that our world is in sin and wants to be in rebellion against God and desires to declare for itself what is right and wrong. There is a need for truth in this world and that's because only truth of who Christ is will allow for us to escape the bondage of sin. And it is that bondage which we are wanted to be kept in by Satan. It is that bondage which Satan wants us to be kept in. Because he knows our death will grieve God. And he knows it will be horrible for us to die without being able to accept the love of Christ through the cross. And that is something we must pray. More people will learn to accept the truth of who Jesus Christ is and his sacrifice on the cross. That is our prayer. The thing that we must do the thing we must keep on doing. We must not let ourselves become weary in doing good, as written in the New Testament. We must continue to endure through our lives to do the good that God has given us. We must continue to endure as we choose to live for Christ, as we choose to live and do what is right, as we choose to stand on the truth. We will be set free, as is written in John. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What does that mean? It means the truth of who Christ is will set you free from sin. It will set you free from bondage of sin so that you may be joined in Christ. That means you will also be free from the guilt of this world. When you come to Christ, you are made a new creation, and you are separated from your sin, and the guilt and the penalty that we are due is death. When you follow Christ, when you know the truth of who he is, you are set free from the claims and the attacks of the world not in the sense that they no longer happen, but in the sense that they will not impact you as much as if you were standing on one of the things in the world that is just as flimsy as the attacks of the world. The truth will stay and stand firm and is a place that frees you from worry when you stand on it. And that is why you must remember to stand on the truth as you go through life. And that is why this world needs truth. When people stand on truth, it shows strength. And people are attracted to strength. If you just look at the various different superhero movies, they always show people of strength, people of power, 
doing awesome things that cannot be done before without that power. People like to see strength. When you stand strong on the truth, keeping that integrity, it will show a witness that is greater than what you could have done if you had faltered. And that all comes down to who Christ is. There's a segment in the book of Matthew where Jesus is speaking to his disciples saying, Who do the people say that I am? And the people gave the nice answers. Some people were saying that he was Elijah returned since Elijah had been taken up in world will and technically never died. So they're saying it's possible Elijah could have been brought back down to the whirlwind again. Other people say it was maybe John the Baptist or a prophet of old who had been returned. And then Jesus flips the question on them. One little note I want to say, these were the nice answers. There were other people, such as the Pharisees, who were saying he was doing things to the work of demons and other types of worse names that you could call a man. But when he flips the question and then turns his focus on the disciples, asking, who do you say I am? And this question is the most important question that comes to every single human being. Who do we say he is? And when he, this question was asked, Peter was revealed by God to Peter through God's spirit who Jesus Christ is. And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the promised one, who is to be the savior of the world. I may have misphrased that, but you know what I mean. That's what Peter said. If you want to look it up, it is in Matthew. It's in Matthew 16, 23, I believe. Let me double check that. Right, it's in Matthew 16, 13 through 16, Mark 8, 27 through 29, and Luke 9, 18 through 20. Where Jesus asks his disciples this question, and it is also the same question that he will ask every single one of us. And the way we answer that question will determine whether or not we will stand on truth, and it will determine our end in life. If we truly believe that he is our Lord, if we truly stand on those foundations, if we truly stand and live as though he is our Lord, if we live a life in accordance to him, and we say he is our Lord, if we say he is the one who saved us from sin, if we say that he has declared sin to be wrong and we forsake our sins for his life, then we must live that way according to what we have said. And that is why it's so important we stand on the truth that has been revealed to us through God and his Holy Spirit. Godspeed, everyone. May you be strengthened in the faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Amen.